So uh, today's daf is Tet, and um, we'll pick up top of Tetamad Aleph. So the uh, issue is, is about a get for that's for a property and for the slave himself, and has one line in it um, that's all of my property is, is transferred to you. Um, whether a kiyum that you do which is particularly required and allowed by star uh, shichur of a slave, whether that also works for the property part. By Rava says it does. You split the effect of the get, the, even if it's only one sentence, the line that works for a shikhor works, I mean the aspect of the line that implies he's free works, and the aspect that applies he gets the property does not, and Abai says it's all or nothing, although Abai goes back and forth both ways. So, um, I'm just going to pick up from the bottom of Chedem Bet, we'll just read it quickly, I know you've been reading it, but four lines from the bottom of Chedem Bet. Who are you going like that you say that, it, that you, the key works for one aspect of the line and not the other, like Rabbi Shimon? We split the words, the effect of the words. Where is that? If you write all your property to your slave, so your slave's own own person is included in the property, so you're giving him himself, so he becomes a free person. That's all. That's both a gift, a, a, a writ of a gift and of a writ of manumission. If, however, you leave over a little piece of 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 of, 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 of real estate. He does not, because that's considered like you're holding back, and maybe you're not fully freeing him. You know, there's some sense of reservation there. Um, so we'll get back to that in a minute. But now the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon, oh man, Rabbi Shimon says, He's always considered free. The only exception would be if you said, All my property is given to so and so, my slave, except minus like 0.1%. Now, what's the difference there? Well, there, if you don't say you're leaving back some land, you say my, less than 1% of my property, actually that's much less, less than 0.001%, maybe you mean that your slave himself is inclu- is that 0.01%. So when it's just a question of you're leaving something back, but you don't even know what, you don't even know if it's real estate, what it is that you're leaving back, maybe the thing you're not giving him is himself. Okay, but with that exception, you are, um, you are what do you call it? you are considered to other than that you will always be freeing the slave now how is this relevant to Bagin and Dibura so Rashi has a particular explanation which I'm going to bracket I'm going to jump to Tosus' explanation Tosus says because let's say so it says that's the only exception so let's say you basically had your house and your slave and you said I am giving you all of my property except for my house so, and that's the only property you have other than your slave. So, according to Rebbe Shimon, right, it should work. He says it always works unless you leave this abstract percentage, unless you hold back. But if you leave back something concrete, it works. So, the says, well, one minute, why does it work? If you say, I'm giving you all my property except for my house, okay, then that's effectively a type of a pogin and dibure, because now what you're doing is you have this statement, okay, but it's really only going to be effective vis-a-vis the freeing of the slave. It won't be any it won't have any effect in terms of transferring property because all the other property you effectively have excluded when you said except for my house because that's the only property that you have alright is that clear so when you said I'm giving you all my property except for my house what you're really just doing is you're really just freeing him alright so if we're going to now let that statement work 
as a type of a shichrur, and it's not going to be able to have the effect of a gift of a gift because there's no actual property other than himself that's being held back. So therefore, nevertheless, he says it works. So the Gemara sees that as a type of a pogin and dibure. You have one statement, all of my property, and it's only going to be effective as far as the slave is concerned, not effective as far as giving property. And that's similar to Rava's idea when you're mekaying the one statement, you know, all my property is given to you, and that kiyum works to free the slave, but it doesn't work for the property. So it's seeing that as a type of a pogin and dibure. One statement, which works for freeing the slave, does not work for the other, for the, for the property. Alright, so that seems to be a type of a, it's going like Rabbi Shimon. Okay, so maybe Rabbi, Rabbi does go like Rabbi Shimon, but then the Gemara says like this, it says, Okay, but you can't just end it there. Um, so it says, mm-hmm. Even though Rabbi Yossi praised Rabbi Shimon, we will like the Tanakama, like Rabbi Meir, that says that it does not work when you uh, hold something back. Okay? And therefore, here too, the Kiyom of the Shtar should not work. We don't say Pogin and Dibure. Okay? The Tanya, we turn the Brisa, when these words were said to, uh, when these words were said in front of Rabbi Yossi um, he read of this, he said about this about the words of Rabbi Shimon the following pasuk lips will kick the one who, kiss the one who says you know per, you know a proper word so meaning he praised it although Tosfos has an interesting read on what Yishak means look at Tosfos he says when somebody says like proper words, those that are around him, you like kiss your lips one to another, you, 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 you know, you close your mouth, oh, that's brilliant, I thought he was also smack your lips, oh, that's brilliant, anyway, okay, so even though he said that, nevertheless, um, so even though he praised it, we nevertheless rule like Rebbe Meir, so we say you don't say, and if anything is held back, if anything, it's not complete, it doesn't work at all. So that's against Rafa. So the Gemara says, one minute. Um, uh, so the Gemara says, Umiyam Rav Nachman Hachi, did Rav Nachman really say that we rule like Rabbi Meir? We don't say Pagin and Dibure. A person on his deathbed writes all of his property to a slave. Okay? And including the slave itself. Himself. The Ahmad. And then he gets better. Now, when, if you put, write something away on your deathbed and then you recover, then the, pro, then the gift reverses. Okay? It's only given on the assumption that the person's going to die. Um, that's the only sense that he gives it. On the presumption he's going to die, um, you know, as a result of this illness. So if he got better, he can retract the gift of the property. The but cannot retract the gift of the freeing of the slave. He retracts the property because it was a gift on a deathbed, and that's reversed if the person gets better. The he does not retract the slave. Why? Because now he has been basically already proclaimed free, and once he's been proclaimed free, you can't retract that. Like apparently in the recent, what was this? Miss Universe contest, they announced somebody as a winner and then they realized they made a mistake. I heard that. I, you know, I, I, whatever. And so it's, it's going to say, Yatsalov, shame uh, Miss Universe already. It's too late. Anyway, but we say that if it's a person's personal status, Yatsalov, shame Ben Chorin. Now, of course, that is personal status. Now, anyway, 
of course, the funny thing is, is that if technically speaking he's not freed, who cares if that's the way it's been proclaimed? How does that affect something as deeply halachic as personal status? So Till says, look, it's all matnashkiv mira, which is the whole thing of a rabbinic institution. And basically, when uh, you give it, you give it under the parameters that the rabbis have set. And one of the parameters is, if you're going to free somebody on your deathbed, it won't go back even if you get, even if you recover. Okay, fine. That's in terms of matnashkiv mira. But bottom line is, we're not just talking about a separate thing. What would happen if I gave away my property? What would happen if I freed my slave and got better? It was all done in the same sentence. It was all done of I'm giving you all my property, where the slave's own freedom is wrapped into that. And nevertheless, we're letting it work for the slave's freedom, and we're not letting it work for the property. So that's an example of Pogina di Brura, which we do say, right, in this case of right? You get that? It's one sentence. All my property is given to you. Bottom line, though, what's going to happen is he'll get his freedom and he won't get the property. Okay, so it says, um, so, uh, okay. So it says from Ella Amaravasi, so Ravasi said, you know what, you're right. Really, we say Pogina di Bura, like Rava. If you're Mekayim the Get, it can work, the Star Shechur, it can work to free the slave, even if it doesn't work to give him the property. The Shriv Mira who gets better, the slave goes free with the same, with the same, sen- with that sentence, but he doesn't get the property, although it's all one sentence. In this case, uh, so, you're right, we do say Pogina di Bura. So why, when you give a guy a gift, and you say, the slave a gift, and you say, except for this house, you know, or except for this plot of land, why don't you say Pogina di Bura? Why don't you let him become free and not actually, what do you call it? And not, um, and w- and why don't you say Pogina di Bura? Why do you say he does not go free? In that case about Red Mayor, when you give him the property and you say, all my property is given to you except for this plot of land. So the Gemara says, Hasa Mainutaima, there is the following reason, Mishum de Lav Kros Gitahu. Because the get, which is interesting, again, the idea of Krisus to sever, Sefer Kritut, like by Get Isha, again, the parallel here between a Get Isha and a Get of an Evid, which we're going to see in the next mission as well, right, is striking. They're both basically separating a relationship. They're changing a person's personal status. And the halachas are very similar. So not only do you say B'fani Nechtav, but the, the actual giving of the get, of the divorce or of the freedom, has to be an absolute severing. So when there's a holding back, I am giving you your freedom, but I'm giving you everything, but I'm holding back one house. I'm holding back a little piece of land. It's not because we don't say Pogina Dibura. It's because within the language of the get itself, something is being held back. So if the get itself is un, um, un, you know, uh, uh, un, without any qualifications, you, all my stuff is given to you. But the effect is split. How do you fit the, split the effect? You'll be Mekayimit by Bifani Nechtav. That allows the get part to work, but not the gift part to work. Or, Shriv Mira gets better. The, 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 the Shikhra part works, the gift part does not work. There, the actual text is without qualifications. The effect, it only takes effect partly, that works. That's Pagina Dibure. We allow the get Shikhra to work, the manumission to work without the gift. That's Pagina Dibure, that's what Rava said. But if in the text itself something is being held back, that's not a full get and it does not work. Okay, that's Lav Kroos Gita. Get, Do you have a question? There, yeah, I, um, I had also thought that there was as part of this Mahlokit, not only around um, Pagadibura, 
but the, but the question is whether or not a human being as an Evid can be regarded as real estate. No, that is taken for granted. Everybody holds that? Yeah, Evid Kanani is basically a type of a, of a, a, a property. Now, he's also a person, and I mean, uh, that's what Torah is amazing, is that in a place in which masters could kill slaves with impunity, the Torah actually, you know, has all these protections to slaves and so on, but it does not, um, but it does not actually, so it both recognizes him as, as a human, but also recognizes him as property. Now, there is a question, is he just property and how a star circle works? We'll see about that later, but that's say, but that is definitely true. Okay, now we finish up this Mishnah. Get given an Eretz Yisrael, which you do not have the funny Nichtav to protect it, and it's not required, okay, but if in the end the get is challenged, you have to then, uh, um, uh, what do you call, validate the signatures. So the Gemara says, Kama. How many people are challenging it? One person challenges it. Rabbi Yochan says that a challenge of one person is meaningless in general. So you should not be even required to validate, even with their unvalidated signatures, you shouldn't be required to validate it. So the Gemara says, El Tre. Okay, two people challenge it and they say, those are not our signatures. Or we know Ruben and Shimon's signatures and it doesn't look like that. So the Gemara says, if that's true, Trey the training you. So it would be two against two, meaning even if you go ahead and get witnesses to say those are the signatures, they should like neutralize one another. My Why rely on these? Rely on those, which is interesting. If the Ruben and Shimon themselves say it's our signatures, would you trust two people who said that it wasn't their signatures? But okay, we're not going to unpack that fully, but anyway, if it's two against two, then uh, even validating should not satisfy. So what's the case that you need to validate and validating works? So Tzumar says, Ela Irer Debal. The husband himself who wrote the get, or who is presumably wrote the get, says, I never wrote it. It was a forgery. Those signatures are forged. So that's enough of a challenge that we require to get witnesses to validate. But if you do get witnesses to validate, then they win out over the husband himself. Okay, so the husband's challenge demands a response, but the validating the signatures will suffice. All right, now we move on to the next mission, and the first part is something that we've seen before. Maybe get me if somebody brings it from Medina Siyam and is unable to say the simple explanation would be he didn't actually witness the writing and the sealing but the Gemara will emphasize the words somehow he's physically unable so anyway he can't do it so okay no problem you're not able to do it it's all according to Rava anyway or Rava but according to Rava fundamentally it's all about the signatures validating them you can't say it's fine get the signatures validated you'll be able to give the get even though you won't say B'fani Nechtav as a form of validation, you don't have that easy route, but you go ahead and you get them validated with two witnesses, you'll be fine. Now, Echagite, so that's, we quoted that earlier. Now we're going on to also the idea of a star Shikhra for an Evid, which we mentioned a minute ago. Echagite, Narshim Echad Avadim, whether they are, whether it's a get given to a woman or a writ of manumission given to a slave, Shavulimolichlamov, they're the same way for bringing get in and out of Eretz Yisrael, they both require the saying of this is one of the ways in which Kitim and uh, Ritz of Manumission are similar. Now, why do we have you say Bafani Nechtav? Let's uh, you could say, you know, as we're going to say in the Gemara, that a get of a Shar Shekhar also needs Lishma. So maybe there were similar concerns that people didn't know the halacha. If you don't know the halacha by one, you don't know the halacha by the other. But if the idea is basically because we want we we don't want the woman to be in a guna and a get to be delivered and um, <coughs> 
and we won't be able to actually deliver it because the witnesses haven't been validated or that if it will be delivered and then it will be challenged the woman will be you know will be uh, stuck because it will be hard to validate so we're saying we're validating the signatures because of our concern for the interests of the woman what is the parallel um, need here for the slave so if you look at Tosvos he says um, um, like four lines from the bottom we understand why we instituted this for the woman because we don't want it to be remain in a position where she can't get married or she got married and then the get is challenged okay what's the egon why the egon now let's try to turn it specifically into an issue of marriage parallel to the aguna of a woman if he gets a, a star shikhur and he doesn't know if it's valid or not he's caught in between he can't marry a free woman because maybe he's still a slave he can't marry a slave woman maybe he's still free so if that were the problem he'd be unable to marry don't give the the, 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 the writ until you get it validated so by a woman who's living without her husband and doesn't get the writ and it's, and it's not been validated she's an aguna she has no options she's just there abandoned but for a slave don't give it until it's been validated and in the interim you'll be a slave and you can marry a slave woman okay so what's the aguna don't give it to him until you get the signatures validated and let him continue to marry, to live with a slave woman so Umar says no so tells us no no just even holding back from him his freedom wonderful he can be married to a slave woman but holding back from him his freedom is aguna to A, the fact that you can't have a normal married life, okay, you're married to a slave woman is not really marriage, and that's an aguna element, that you can't have a normal married life in a social context of free people, and there's other aspects that you're holding back from him, his full obligation in mitzvah. So somebody who's trying to free his slave, we want to help grease those wheels. We want to help make it easy and protect the interests of the slave. Okay, so let's take a look now at the Gemara. My What does it mean he's unable to say? If it means, again, he's a deaf mute, literally unable. Okay, and funny, it doesn't just say he's mute, but okay, he goes to deaf mute. Everybody can do it except for a cherish because they're not considered bardea of full, um, you know, intellectual ability or right mind, and therefore they cannot. So, Amar Rav Yosef, so anyway, so how could that be that he's bringing a get? So, Amar Rav Yosef, he gave, he, was, he gave her the get while he was fine. For he didn't get the words out of his mouth until he became a cheresh. So now he's in a yacholoma. Such a bizarre case where, of course, the much easier option would be to say that he was either mute or he did not witness it. But somehow the phrase Eino yachol is pushing the Gemara to assume we're talking about somebody who's really like fully incapable. All right, whatever. We dealt with that before. Now we're going to get to back to the comparison by the Eved, which is picking up the theme we started earlier and quite interesting so this is one of the ways where a get to a woman is similar to a writ of manumission to a slave in three ways are they similar okay you have to say maybe you have to say when you bring a get in and out of Israel for uh, whether it's a get or a star and now here the word get remember means basically a document 
document. Any document that has on it a Samaritan witness is invalid. Except for this get of a woman and a writ of many missing. Now that's shocking because these are like much more important than am I selling you my house. They're about personal status. They're not just evidence, right? If, uh, you know, you could say other types of documents maybe are just evidence that something took place. This actually creates the instrument that effects the personal status change. So you would think that our criteria are much higher in the actual writing of it. It's one thing saying the funny nichta, that's testifying that it was done properly. But in the actual writing of it, you would think our criteria are higher. Nevertheless, we're going to see in the Gemara that ironically, this kula emerges from a chumrah. Since when the get is written, it's written for a woman or for a slave. It's written with much more oversight and care. The fact that a Samaritan is being used somehow is, we can say, like, you know what? This was obviously done with a lot of care because that's how Gittim are done. I mean, we'll get to the specifics later. So this guy who signed it must have been a kosher witness. Okay, he's not a non-Jew who's signing it. He's a Samaritan. There are particular questions around Samaritans. So we're going to say, forget Isha and forget of an Eved. We know that things come with such same, so many more criteria that we can actually assume that this, that this witness was actually kosher, that people knew what they were doing. Okay, so we'll see more about that. That's number one. That's a kula. And number three, uh, that's number two. We call it Starot, number three. Here's a chumrah, which is something we totally would have expected. If you've got a document issued by a secular court, okay, a secular document about, I don't know, uh, a title, uh, a purchase uh, document for your house or something, okay, those are, even with non-Jews signed, my, uh, my mortgage, or, you know, my, my bill of purchase for my house, okay, it's valid, because it's just basically a property type of a document. So we will allow it to work, even if it's completely secular and signed by non-Jews. The obvious exception is, right, get something that's about a bill of divorce, or freeing a slave, so that is something that you are not going to allow if it came from a secular court, from a non-Jewish court signed by non-Jewish witnesses. That's something that obviously has to follow very specific halachic requirements, and you can't just say, oh, it's just about, like, property, and property we can rely on the larger non-Jewish system. Now, we're going to actually, tomorrow, have a wonderful opportunity to explore this issue about, like, the non-Jewish documents and so on. Let's just read one word of Rashi now, and we'll come back to it tomorrow. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Shereen, um, two lines from the top, Rashi says, Tadina de Sadina. Okay? So in, in issues of money and property, we go by the rule of the government. Right? When I go ahead and I buy my uh, car, my house, or whatever, I don't have to make sure to also do it with a special Kenyan according to the laws of Chosh and Mishpat. You work within the secular system, and those property aspects that the secular system defines are considered binding as a matter of halacha. Okay? So other types of secular le- of documents that are basically about property property ownership, you can use secular documents and even, and even non-Jews sign it. Even if the buyer and seller are Jews, you can use a secular document coming through a secular court with non-Jewish witnesses. That non-Jews are not in the Parsha of Gittin, of Gittin, that's what Kritus means, they're not in the Parsha of Gittin, so their signatures and their documents are not valid. 
Okay, now Rashi could have just stepped there, right? So for something that's like halachic, that does a halachic effect, like a get or star shechur, it needs to follow the halachic requirements and signed by Jews. Something that's about property, it can go by the non-Jewish system, Dine de Machusa. But there's another interesting line of Rashi for just general Dine de Machusa pictures, which we'll get back to. Look at the next line of Rashi. He says, But when it comes to property matters, that's part of Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, about general, pro, you know, like a law system and other types of things. And by Shechur Avadim, it's the same as Get. So Rashi seems to say that one of the conceptual bases for the idea of Dina de Machusa Dina is the idea that the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach include the idea for non-Jews to set up a legal system. And therefore, because it's a whole system has been validated, the non-Jewish secular system, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident, right? That is validated by the Torah's Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. And that's what makes it also legally binding for us that the Torah wants there to be these secular legal systems in place. Very nice idea of Dina de Malchus Dina. Anyway, but it doesn't apply for things that are not about property, things that are about halacha and personal status. Okay? So that's why it works for other documents and not for Gittim. And we'll just read one more line. Rabbi Meir is that there's a fourth area of comparison between a get and a star shikhar. What's that fourth area? Haomer, ten avdi. Somebody says, give this get to my wife, or he says, give this writ of manumission to my slave, and then before it's delivered, he changes his mind. So Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says you can retract it before it's been given. The Chachamim say you can retract the get, but you cannot retract the writ of manumission. What's the difference? I go ahead and I say, David, here, give this get to my wife. Okay? So, it might not be actually, maybe Devorah doesn't want to get divorced. Maybe my wife doesn't want to get divorced. Now, normally she can't do anything about it if I divorce her against her will. But still, I haven't done the act of divorcing her until I deliver it or until David delivers it. So I can retract at any time before it's been delivered. But if I say, go ahead and give this writ of manumission to my slave, there is no question that my slave wants to be free. Okay? Right? Because it's in, obviously, who doesn't want to be free? So therefore, David doesn't have to deliver it to my slave. You know why? Because as soon as David gets the, gets the star, you know what David becomes? He automatically becomes my slave's representative. Since it is unquestionably in my slave's interest to be free, we say, You can represent him without being, without being appointed by him and without his, him being present. So as soon as I say to you, Give it to my slave, you actually now represent my slave and you take it and now, now my slave is freed. Okay, so that works when it's an unquestionable benefit for that person. So that's what the Chachamim say. I can retract my get, I can't retract my writ. Rabbi Meir says, maybe slaves don't want to be free. Maybe you like being a slave where you have no restrictions on you and you can act as you will and who knows what. We can all unpack that, right, about how people, <laughs> how in the South, you know, the, uh, the slave owners assumed that it was in the best interest of the slaves to be slaves. But Rabbi Meir says, you do not automatically represent my slave either. It's not 100% in his best interest, so we can't assume that it is. And therefore, Rabbi Meir says, I can stop either process until the actual writ has actually been delivered. Okay, so we will end with here for now and pick up tomorrow.